0: at what God has done in the last five years in our lives. You know, um, when, I, when I first came here five and a half years ago, um, I didn't anticipate that the Lord would move us to 10 acres northwest of here. As, as I got here and found out about the mission and, and just how we needed to do that in our community, and then God just worked in our church and, and 10 acres of land opened up to the northwest, and, and, we, and we jumped on it, and God moved us. And then, then I, I, I'm blown away that, that just a few years ago, the Lord would move us to expand our footprint into Tulsa. And, and I remember as I'm praying, as I'm like, Lord, do I bring this before our church? And, and thinking to myself as I'm getting on 169 and said, Lord, is Tulsa our responsibility? And you feeling the Lord say, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't say anything. Yes, of course, Tulsa is our responsibility, and to watch the Lord open a door to, a, to expand our ministry into Tulsa. And now, t- uh, today, uh, we're going to, in Tulsa, uh, Michael Nunn is going to get up and preach Revelation 2 right now, I mean, today. It's amazing how God has worked and as I think about uh, as, as we walk with the Lord, I'm, I'm telling you, walking with the Lord is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. And that's why I pray that we will continue to be a church of, that live, lives by faith and not by sight and that we're, we're not afraid to take risks. We're not afraid to, to look into the future and say, God, what do you want us to do? I mean, the, the, the adventure of walking with God is, is just an incredible experience. And we get to do this together. And, and, and you know, as, as I think about our church, uh, and, and God has moved in our past. Absolutely, yes. He He's moving right now. But what road are we going to take as we move forward? I mean, are we going to be a church that continues to, 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 to become who God has called us to be? I mean, it's amazing that God in all his wisdom has planted us here. And I believe that every church, when they begin, God moves in that, and, and, and that we are meant to, to make a difference where we're planted. We're meant to walk with the Lord. We're meant to live out our faith. And, and a lost world looks at us as, the, as we live out our faith, and, and it creates a spiritual hunger in their lives. And in a lost world's like, look, this is what I'm missing because they look at us as a church. And they go, I, I need that. But so often churches don't, don't realize that influence. They don't experience that for, and there's all kinds of reasons. And, and as, I, uh, as I look at the great challenges we face in our culture, oh my goodness. I mean, it's crazy to think about the cultural struggles that are, that are prevalent. I mean, you turn on the news and, and with our kids we have to explain some of these things. And, and, and it's just crazy as you look at the, the struggles we're facing today in our nation. And yet I don't want us to forget that that we're in a spiritual battle. And as a church, God has called us to run into that, not run away from it. God's called us to engage in the spiritual battle and, 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 and take ground for the kingdom of God. And I love that call that God's put on our lives. There's no room for fear. There's no room for doubt. And, and God has called us to move forward and live by faith and walk with him. And, and, and I believe that God wants every church to experience genuine impact where they're planted. But so often churches don't realize it. So we're, we're moving into this study in, in Revelation. And, and, and you know... Uh, the Book of Revelation is an interesting book, and, and I want us to just kind of let me just throw out a couple of things as we begin this study today um, you know the The book of revelation is a is a a book that that theologians from the beginning have wrestled with it and and there are there are many respectable theologians that that look at revelation differently and and and, and you know there's all kinds of debate, and the reality is we're we 're not going to fully agree on the book of Revelation. And, and, and one day when we get to heaven, we're going to see how it all comes together and we're going to go, aha, oh God, I got it. I get it. But right now we're wrestling with it. Now, what we're going to do over the next several weeks is look at the churches. And that, that John wrote about. Now, a little just background on the book of Revelation. First of all, if you're going to study Revelation, you need to understand some things. Number one is that it's, it's literary and dramatic uh, nature. It's symbolic in its nature. And Revelation is apocalyptic literature. And, uh, and, and by apocalyptic literature, I mean it's, it's this supernatural unveiling but, but in the book, John uses a symbolic language, figurative language to describe real things. So you've got to understand that. You've got to have that lens when you look at Revelation. It's, it's a book that, that, that has to be understood through this literature idea. It's creative. It uses symbolism. The author of Revelation is John, uh, the, the Apostle John. I mean, what was he known as? He was, he was one of the sons of thunder, right? I mean, in John, I think it's interesting as you think about John. He, he was the one disciple that never left Jesus at the crucifixion. He was the one that stayed. And I think it's interesting that, that though, though he died as a martyr, died as a prisoner, the, the reality is John received the revelation. I think it's a picture of God rewarding faithfulness. You know, and I, want, I pray, when I think about all the disciples, I love Peter. He was so bold and, and was always putting his foot in his mouth, which I, I like that about him. He's interesting. But, but I want to be like John. When I think about the disciples, and I think, man, that's, that's the guy. He never left. I pray that's what we are like. That's who wrote this book. You know, when, when you look at why he wrote it, John is, is facing, when he wrote this uh, he was in prison on the Isle of Patmos and, and it's interesting because he wrote this to encourage early Christians who were being persecuted. The, the, the Christians were all around him were, were facing very a lot of difficulties. Uh, he was trying to correct some heretical beliefs. There was some false teaching going on and John was like, hey look, we got to correct this. Um, he, he was wanting to encourage real discipleship of God's people. He wanted God's people to, to walk with the Lord and really grow in their walk. He, he, in, in the book of Revelation, he provides some incredible opportunities for worship. There is figurative language there. If you, and I would encourage you to read the book of Revelation. And, and, and there's beautiful language that, that points to God. And, and I love it that John is one of these guys that's able to describe beautifully, how awesome our creator is. And the book of Revelation is, is, is a basis for worship John also wrote this book as a response to some social crisis. I mean, I mean there were the, socially, there was a lot of things going on during the time of, uh, that John was writing, and that's important to understand. The, the culture was, was difficult, and it was a, a difficult time to be a believer, which I think is important for us as we move into a, a changing nation, a changing world. Lastly, I think John wrote the book of Revelation, and this is important, to tell us about the last days of history. Now, folks, we are naive to live our life without realizing there will be a day that the world as we know it will come to an end. The Bible speaks of this. The Bible describes it like this. Two people will be working in a field. One will be taken, the other left. You know, golly, I, I, I wish we would all be ready for that day. I mean, I want us to be ready for that day. I mean, my goodness, if, if the Lord calls us to be believers who are, who are in that day and get to see that day, then, then I pray that the Lord finds us faithful. What if we are the ones preparing our children or our grandchildren for that day? Boy, we better do a good job. of of raising up kids and grandkids and passing on our faith to the next generation and, and, and ensuring that this is a church that moves into the future and that walks with the Lord. My goodness, there's going to be a day history comes to an end. Now, the message to the churches at Revelation are very important for us. This morning, we're going to turn our attention to Ephesians 2. Would you stand with us? We're going to start in verse 1. And uh, let's read together. It's our our practice here. If you're a guest today that, excuse me, we stand in honor of the Word of God. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 as John writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, To the angel of the church at Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, um, you know, it's interesting because when when some people look at Revelation and they look at these letters to the churches, they, they interpret it as this is a progression of the churches throughout all history. And they trace it that, that it began with this uh, church at Ephesus and ends with Laodicea. And it's this pathway to lukewarmness. And it's this idea that we see in Scripture that, that the church is going to gradually move to a lukewarm lifestyle. And, and you know, that, that may be true. That that may be I, as I as I look at church around our nation, especially I look at church in Europe, and and lukewarmness is a great depiction of it. You know, um, we'll see that in Laodicea later on. But but you know the the reality is I think that could be one interpretation. I all, personally I think that that every generation, every time in history, you can find a church that are dealing. Uh, that are described here in Revelation. Now, now, definitely, these were really real churches that John was writing to. There was a church in Ephesus, and 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 we see that John is writing to the church at Ephesus. He he, he describes that in verse verse one of chapter two that that this is a a church that we're writing to. Now let's look at the look at the verse. Look at verse one. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, write. Um, now John uses figurative language here and and um, Ephesus was this place that that Paul went to Acts 19 describes what God did in Ephesus when the church began there and Ephesus was this incredible city that that was known for the temple of Artemis it was this wealthy city it was it was very influential in Asia Minor and and uh and John John tells us that a church was there, and it was a vibrant church. And, and I love Acts 19 because it describes all the things that was going on here. But, but look back at verse 1 here. To the angel of the church, who's that angel? Some say that's a, uh, that is a, uh, uh, an angel that's over a church. I, I think uh, probably a, a, a right interpretation of that, that's written to the pastor, of the church. I mean, that's the big discussion. Yeah, I think angels are real, and they are at work and powerful, but, but I think that, that John is referring to the pastor. Look at this, the hymn here. To the angel of the church, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. That, that hymn is Jesus Christ. That's who the hymn is referred to. The the seven stars are are the messengers of of each of these seven churches, and and uh and it's interesting. In, in his right hand, it says this refers to accountability that's going on. He, in his right hand, um, he's holding these stars, and he and 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 and, and this is uh, if you look back at Revelation one twenty, it says this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches so this is one of the churches this lampstand is a church and, and I think that's a beautiful picture of what a church is what what do we do we're we're the light of the world and we're planted in a city in a place to bring light to bring uh direction and and, and help and and hope to a place, to a city. Now, look at this, verse 1, to the words of him who holds the stars in his right hand, look at this, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, Now, get this picture. It's saying literally that Jesus walks among the churches. Now, point number one today. Um... I want us to see this, that that God sees the work of our church. I mean, I want you to imagine with me. Revelation gives us this figurative language, this picture of Jesus walking among the churches. I mean, imagine Jesus walking up and down our aisles, through our hallways. Walking with us as we go out from here. I mean, that's the picture, that that God sees the work of our church. And and can you imagine Jesus walking through the halls of our church? I mean, Proverbs 15.3 says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And I'm amazed at, at people that live their lives without realizing that God sees us every moment, every second. And if we really were practicing the presence of God and and acknowledging the fact that, God, you see me, that would change what we do when we're uh, with our friends or when we're by ourselves. And, and, And the reality is God walks among us. And I think we forget that sometimes. God, you see us. You walk our halls. You walk with us through life. Thing about the people of Ephesus, we know about them. They they had receptive hearts. I mean, we, we saw in Acts 19 how God was working and 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 people would could come to Christ. And and I love verse two. Look back at verse two. He says, I know your your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil. I mean, these are people who had receptive hearts. This church at Ephesus, they worked hard. I mean, I think this is a Southern Baptist church because they worked so hard that they were exhausted, right? And sometimes we do that. We work so hard to the point of exhaustion. Chad always says about our church, if you say, hey, come together, let's study this Bible passage, sometimes it's hard to get people to come. But if you say, hey, let's get together, we're going to tear out some walls, you got everybody and their dog showing up with a hammer. You know, that's us. That's our church. We work hard. And and I love that about him. Look at verse 2. He says, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. One of the things we know about this church, this church believed the right things. We know that about them. They tested false teachers. And and let me tell you something, all through history, there are false teachers. There are false teachers around, and what I love about a church, our church, is is, is, you know the Bible. And and we're pushing one another to know God's Word, and I'll tell you, that's incredible accountability for me as a pastor. Because if I get up and say something false, you know, you'll notice. uh, The reality is, we've got to continue in that. This church at Ephesus, they believe the right things. Verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. First, folks, this is an incredible church. This is a great church that was making a difference that, was, that John was writing to, that you're doing some great things. You're holding the line. You are, you are standing strong. You know, we read that and go, hey, we want to be like that. I mean, I hope God would say that about us. Don't you? But in spite of that, they had a problem. Look at verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Now, point number two today I pray we get that we've got to pay attention to this fatal flaw. Folks, in spite of these good things, um, they had a fatal flaw. They've neglected their personal love for the Lord. They had they'd lost their passion. Notice the words, you have abandoned. See that? Verse 4, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Now, now uh, it's a phrase that means to leave or to forsake. To walk away from. Now, now if you uh, if you're gonna walk away from something, you had it at one time, right? And and that's what they had. They 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 had abandoned, they 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 no longer saw this of value. And and sometimes um, we have that tendency to, 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 to not to, to move away from something that, that was good, that was right. And that's what's happened. We're like, I love the, the great old hymn that says, prone to wander, wander. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And, and we're, we're prone to walk away from the Lord. We're prone to, to, to turn away. And that's what happened here. It's like the, like if you've ever been driving in your car and you got distracted by your phone. And, and how many of all of us, if you've driven, you've been on the highway and looked down and then hit that little brrr on the side of the road. You're like, whoa, whoa, hey, come back. You know what God's doing today for us? Brrrr. That's what he's doing. For us to go, okay, come back. Let's come back. And Hebrews 2.1 is right. I want you to hear this. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. You know? What did Jesus say these people had abandoned? Well, they abandoned their first love. You know, he's talking about here that they've substituted work for a growing relationship with Christ. They've they've substituted uh, work for Jesus uh, with knowing Jesus. You know, there are times you can do things for him and not turn your face to him and surrender to him, right? And that's what's going on. You know what I learned from this? There's some things I learned here. That it's possible to do and believe the right things and still miss the heart of following Jesus. Let's hear this. It's possible for us to know the right things and even do the right things. But yes, miss the heart of following Christ. Look, don't look at the person in front of you or behind you or beside you. Let's not sit here today, I'll tell you all week long, I've not sat here, I've I've not looked through this and said, hmm, I can't wait to share this at my church without going, God, am I a pastor that has forsaken my first love? So I'm coming at you, sitting with you, going, we must be a people that say, God, we're not going to, do the right things and miss the heart of following you? And let me ask you a question. Is your walk with God become mechanical, ho-hum, just normal, just going through the motions? And do you love Jesus passionately? And, and just what we've been through for the last nine weeks prior to today is, ladies, of course, you, you, do you want your husband to love you normally or passionately? we've looked at this for nine weeks, right? But it's this call that we have. We need to develop this habit, and this is what I pray we do, that I hear this in this passage, to develop this habit of, of honestly evaluating our walk with the Lord. How's your walk with the Lord right now? Turn over with me real quick to Galatians 5. It's not up on the screen, but I want you to just turn over to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. That, that, that when, you, when you're walking with the Lord and when you're studying, uh, and, and here's how you know you're studying correctly and, and, and you're serving correctly. When, when you're serving the Lord, is it producing these things, the fruit of the Spirit? Is that what it's producing? Are you more joyful? Are you more loving? Are you more patient and gentle and more self-controlled? Sometimes our service gets us uppity. And, and, oh, we're better than everybody. And sometimes our study and our doctrine gets us, hey, you know what? We're smarter than you. You're wrong. And, and we get prideful. And see, this is what we got to hear. This is, when, when pride comes in and when arrogance comes in, something's wrong here. Because <laughs> our doctrinal work and our, our, our service should not be producing in us an arrogant pride, but a humil- humility. Humility a joy, a surrender. And that's what they missed. So the question that I want us to wrestle with today, that for us, is have we substituted church stuff for personal and, and a passionate relationship with the Lord? I mean, how's our walk, our relationship with Jesus You know, point number three, let's hear this. It's time for a restored passion. It's time. It's time to to have a restored passion for the Lord. Look at verse five. It says, what, what does he say to the church at Ephesus? He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, what is he saying here? First, right here, stop and remember when you were passionate about Christ. I mean, stop right now. Remember. let's Think back. When were you passionate about Christ? When, when did you have this, this, this hunger for the Lord? Some of you may have been three months ago. Some of you may have been... 30 years ago, I don't know. I mean, when I think about, um, I love what our students have, have done. I mean, I mean, so many of our students are praying every year for their My One, you'll hear that in our church. You're My One, who's the one person you're praying for? That's a consistent challenge with our student ministry. And many of our students have, have gotten us to, to come and see their friends baptized and come to Christ. Oh my goodness, I mean, to think about the eternal destiny of their friends. And when you talk to them after their friends come to Christ, they're like, oh, my goodness, they're so excited about their walk with the Lord. When was that? How long has it been since that excitement has hit your heart? You know, let's hear this. Stop and remember what he says. Remember from where you have fallen. Then he says, repent. I mean, you must repent. What does that mean? It means you, you turn around and you go another direction. You, you change the way you're living, right? That's what repent is. It's, it's time to make a change. It's time to do something different. And, and the reality is for, for many of us, we, we've got to start changing some things right now. Now, now I'm, I believe, let me clarify. We're talking to the church here. Those that are already believers, those that, are, that have already come to faith in Christ, you may have come today and you're like, hey, I'm not a believer. I, 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 don't hear me say you've got to do these actions and then you'll get God's acceptance. Don't hear that from my lips. This is a message to the church. And if you're not a believer, you're not part of the church. And, and I, that's why I want to say to you, come to Christ come to Jesus. You need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. And I pray that we are a church that that is constantly reaching out to our lost friends saying, "Oh, you got to know our savior." And this is why I love hanging out with new believers. Because when you hang out with a new believer, it's like Wow, God has spoken to me, and there's this, this excitement, this hunger, and, and, and you know, some of us are lukewarm and, are, and have lost our first love because it's been a long time since we've hung out with new believers, and, and we're just around stuffy old believers, right? And we need to get around some new believers. Some of us are lukewarm because we're just stuck in sinful practices that we need to repent of and change the way we're living. That's why I... Scripture tells us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Let me tell you something. We, life's too short for us not to walk with the Lord. You don't want to miss the adventure of following Jesus, being in love with Jesus. And I'll tell you, and I've said, I'll say this a bunch, if, as long as I'm your pastor, if, you're, if you are bored as a follower of Christ, something is desperately wrong because it is absolutely impossible to walk with Jesus and be bored. Now, you can walk with Jesus and be scared and like, ooh, wow, this is uncomfortable. You can walk with Jesus and be uncomfortable. You can walk with Jesus and go, I don't know how this is going to work out. You can walk with Jesus and go, man, I, I, I got a lot to learn. But you'll never walk with Jesus and be bored. Those are two things that don't work together. And so what, is, what, is, what do you do here? As a believer, you, you restart some faithful practices. Okay, that's something we got to do. What are some faithful practices to restart? We've given you one in your seat. What does he say? Uh, begin, you got to begin with focused prayer. I mean, this is a faithful practice. I mean, I mean, it's impossible to be on your knees seeking the Lord in prayer. And I'm not just talking about, Lord, bless this food. Thanks for this day. Amen. God, lay me down. Now I lay me down to sleep or whatever, however it goes. I don't even know. I'm not talking about those rehearsed prayers. I'm talking, God, I'm on my knees today. What do you want me to do? I'm checking in with you today. God, where do I go? What do you want me to do? Help me be attentive. Give me eyes like you have. Help me see what you see. Focused prayer, because I'll tell you, it is impossible to, to, to be on your knees in prayer and miss the Lord. Absolutely impossible. Because what happens when you start praying, God will either uh, change your heart or give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says, wait. Brad and I were driving in the car this week, and he said to me, Aren't you glad God didn't answer that prayer for that we were praying? I'm like, Absolutely. I'm not even going to tell you what it was. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but I said, Absolutely, I'm glad. Because following Jesus is a better adventure. Begin with focused prayer. I want to challenge you what if you did for the next 70, 71 days really prayed? I mean, think about what the next 71 days would hold for you if you got on your knees and you prayed with fervency. When I think about that prayer card that we're giving you just for God to save our family and friends. I mean, think about your family, your friends coming to Christ. I mean, I mean, my goodness, their eternal destiny to be changed. What if you started really praying for people by name, specifically, God, use me in their lives on my baseball team, on my softball team, at my school, in my workplace, my neighbors, my children who are in crisis. What if you really started praying over them? What do you think God would do? You know, I think about unity on our two campuses I mean, as we try to figure this out, how do we live this way? I, I don't, we're figuring it out. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's pray for it. Let's pray for God's direction. When I think about boldness to share the gospel this Christmas season, as, as we think of our call to, to our church is to, to reach people that are not like us, that don't think like us. I mean, if you don't think that we live in a lost world, you are blind. If you think, oh, we live in Tulsa and there's a church on every corner, everybody's a Christian, you're blind. You are ignoring the lost world that we live in. We are most definitely a minority in this world, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness, we got to pray for people to come to Christ. The mission as we embrace this opportunity to serve, it's under construction. And, and hey, we're, we're just starting, right? It's not finished. I mean, we're starting to work. We need people to serve, and, and, and we're, this is going to be one of the, uh, what I see with the mission is one of our most effective evangelistic arms in the life of our church. That's why we're doing it. If people aren't getting saved, if, people, if it's not a strategy to share the gospel, we're going to do something different. We're going to spend our money on something different, because as a church, we're called to reach the lost, and churches that don't budget for that and work to that and pray for that are missing the point of being a church. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, right? So my goodness, we got a lot to pray for. Okay, think about our, our, our nation. Oh, my, my goodness. In all of my life, My 46 years on this planet, I've never seen our nation so divided. And God's called us to be influencers. That's what a church should do. That's why I love James Langford is when he says, the hope of our nation is in our church, not our government. And I think about us in Oklahoma, we have influence, and we need to exercise this influence. We need to be sending people to Washington that love Jesus and that walk with him and that know him. And, and you know what? That's why I'm pumped that Andy Coleman's running for Congress, and I'm not trying to be political. But in our, in our, where we are in Oklahoma, we can influence this nation. I was with a pastor this week, just Friday, or no, Thursday, and he was from Texas. And it's a group of Oklahoma pastors we met at OBU, and he said, Oklahoma swings a big stick on spiritual influence, and we better swing a big stick, and we better become influencers. When I think about praying, think about what God would do in us we got a second thing, a practice to start, and I'm going to wrap up here, and we'll unpack this further in other churches, but we got to return to God's word. And we'll unpack this later in, in the details of returning to the word of God because all through the Revelation churches, this is a theme. Know the word of God. Return to the word of God. That, that if you, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And lastly, we've got to start serving. A, a practice to start is start serving right now. I mean, the mission is opportunities uh, to serve. Uh, next, Saturday, next Sunday night, Calvary, we're going we're gonna to go into a community that's not like us. That, that Well, now it is us, okay? I made a mistake right there. I've got to correct that. It is us. And we're going to go serve and reach out to our community where we're planted. It's our responsibility to move in on Admiral and reach out to that part of the city that needs Jesus. I'll tell you, that's who you have to be. Look at verse 6. And listen to this. Well, well, let's not miss the warning here. If, If you don't return to your first love, look what he says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What does that mean? Hey, look, if you don't follow me, church, I'll remove your, your, your influence. Let me tell you something. It's amazing. We're one church in two locations. God's done all these works, and God is at work in our church. But, but if we don't hear this, if we get into the fact that, hey, you know what? We'll just, you know, we can lose, our, we'll, we'll never lose our influence, folks. I can tell you, I can name church After church, after church, who can point to their life, there was a day that we made a difference. Look at our past. We live in our past. That's why we should always learn from our past and be grateful for our past, but never live in our past. If we're spending more time talking about our past than what God's doing right now, that's a church that's left its first love. That's a church that is no longer... This lampstand is removed. Man, we got to hear that. And he ends, and we're, we're, we're out of time, but let's just let God's word speak here as we move into our invitation. In fact, I want you to stand right where you are. And as you stand... I want us to hear this. and We're going to allow God's word to be the last thing I say. This is tough as a preacher because we want to keep talking. But as soon as I finish this, our altars are going to be open. The guys are going to play. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, to the ones who conquer, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise.